Welcome to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance with Jeffrey Panic from Balance Wealth Partners. In this space, we're keeping it real about money, unraveling the intricacies of spending and investing and making it all about you. Dive into the journey of striking the perfect balance between enjoying the now and preparing for what's next. Money talk might seem complex, but we're here to simplify it. Join us as we, along with experienced guests, are planning for more than retirement. We are planning for life. And hello and welcome to the Between Life and Money podcast with Jeff Panic. Jeff, good to be with you again. Nice to see you. Good to see you too, Bill. Things going well? Good, good. Everything's going well. Uh, no, com- I always say I, I don't have any complaints, and if I did, no one would probably listen. So, yeah, sadly, <laughs> yeah, I find that to be true too. <laughs> it's like nobody cares. It's like they yeah. ask that question, they're like, "No, no, no, you don't understand. I didn't really mean that. <laughs> I didn't really mean for you to tell me that." Well, we've launched your podcast the last time around on the inaugural podcast. For those who who might have missed it, we got to know a little bit about you where you came from, how you got into the business, why you do what you do this time around. And this podcast, we're going to learn about your company and a little more about you and your investment approach and your philosophy and the focus of your business. So let's begin at the beginning, if you will, and tell me and us the story behind Balance Wealth Partners. Sure. About six years ago, I was leaving a large firm uh, and I was looking to go on my own mm-hmm. and I was looking at various names. You know, obviously a lot of people will name their firm after their last name. You know, my last name panic probably wasn't <laughs> probably the most, the most appropriate. So that, that got kind of put out there. So, uh, you know, I thought a you don't lot. Think, you, you don't think money panic would have worked or. <laughs> I, I don't, I, I think it muddies the water if you will. So uh, that's, that's part of, I guess, what people come and, and look for support for. So they don't yeah, panic. Exactly. So the last thing you, you want to do is use that in your name, I think. So for a company name, at least. And <laughs> and so, you know, I, I was looking at kicked around a bunch of different names and, and really came up, you know, thinking about balance uh, and I think, how you know, how important it is and yet how hard it is to find. And I think for a lot of people, you know, whether you own a company, whether you work for someone, you know, whether you're starting out, you know, that's the hardest thing to kind of get is to get something where you can kind of be down the fairway analogy down the middle uh, where, you know, you can have a certain level of comfort uh, knowing that, you know, you have time for family, you have time for hobbies and you have, you know, time for work. And it's really hard to put all of those together. And, you know, one of the things from the standpoint of wealth management, understanding portfolios and trying to put together a plan is, it's hard to really find time to do that as well as to revisit that. And so, you know, what I want to try to do and what part of Balance Wealth Partners is, is to provide a resource so that people can have an advocate for them working with them throughout mm-hmm. life. Yeah, yeah, you do hear a lot, especially in in the in the millennial generation, a lot of talk about work-life balance. You know, which kind of gets to your point. You, you need to balance those things. Yeah. So remind us, what is the focus of your business? Our focus is really financial life planning and really to get an idea of each person's specific needs and their family, and then coming up with a plan specific for that individual, customized, that will hopefully help them achieve their goal. And mm-hmm. everyone has different goals. Sometimes people don't even know what the goal is. 
Uh, it's really a matter of uh, articulating that and coming up with the strategy and really looking at short, intermediate, and long-term goals. And you know, I think I've mentioned before, you could have 10 people and 10 completely different goals. You know, someone that's looking, has a few small children looking to save for college is completely different typically than someone that is uh, approaching retirement, that's trying to figure out where they're going to get all the money from to retire, to keep up with inflation and the cost of living. Again, we talked a little bit about this the last time. You don't have a cookie cutter plan. No, no. What I try to do is customize the plan around the family or individual uh, based mm-hmm. upon what their specific needs and goals are. So how do you acquire new clients? Typically, what I will do is have client events for appreciation purposes, as well as educational events, uh, whether it's a market update or whether there's tax law changes or any sort of change to what they're typically accustomed to. Typically, I will have an expert come in and provide uh, some level of guidance, as well as just uh, provide, you know, be able to take questions and have that as a resource for the clients. Uh, And typically what I like to do is if they have someone interested to bring a friend. Mm. Do you do this? So these are like seminars or Zoom It's more of So that's, they're typically going to be educational and they're typically going to be quarterly in person. You know, during COVID, like most people, you know, adjusted, typically I would do Zoom webinars in some instances uh, for various topics uh, and take questions kind of along the way. Since things have kind of maybe settled a bit, trying to get back to more in-person meetings. This next question... is what makes you unique or different from other professionals. There are a lot of financial advisors out there, and certainly you've kind of touched on this already in a lot of ways in the in, a, in the prior podcast and a little bit just now. But what do you think makes you unique and different from others? I think it's uh, just having an approach that try, the first thing I try to do, rather than just try to hand something over and say, this is what you should do, I sit down with each individual and try to get an idea for what they're trying to do. And then I design the portfolio or the investment strategy around that. And I look at also saying, you know, it's not, we say a rear view mirror approach where you just meet with someone once or two, two or three times and just do a transaction. I look at it as a partnership, you know, really throughout life and -hmm. really to try to get them to whatever goal they're trying to reach. And that's just not a one-time meeting or a one-time recommendation that's ongoing. And typically I like to tell people it's very important not to do a one and done or just, you know, set up a plan and then just not revisit it at least annually, you know, making sure, you know, who your beneficiaries are. If you have life changes, looking at everything, uh, it's important to do that on an ongoing basis. Do you coordinate or do you provide services for like legal services or, you know, tax services or how, how do you handle that with your clients? Yeah. So, so typically what I will do is I have a group of uh, attorneys and uh, accountants, CPAs yeah. that if someone needs support, I typically will give them and provide two or three names. And typically what I suggest you know, much like when someone meets with me and determines whether or not I'm the right person to help them with their investments and their wealth planning, it's the same thing with accountants and attorneys. You want to have someone that you feel comfortable with. And the yeah. most important thing to do is 
you know, have a few calls or, you know, Zoom meetings in the world we live in to try to get an idea, you know, what what their strategies are, what they think about uh, typically, you know, whether it's your return or your estate, if you provide them the documents ahead mm-hmm. of time, they can give you some feedback. And then, you know, underlying what the cost is. And then after looking at the two or three referrals, if they if they take them, you know, making an informed decision for what fits them best. Yeah, so much about this business for saying this for anybody who has not yet gone to a financial advisor, anybody who is actively engaged now understands so much of this business is about relationships and how you think people fit. Sounds crazy, but it's true, isn't it? No, I mean, I think it's if you look at this, the specific wealth management, you know, financial planning, investment yes. planning, it's become more psychology, I think, than finance in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, everyone, you know, from a behavior standpoint, based upon the history of what their uh, experiences are with the stock market or the bond market, or just what their past has been, they all have different viewpoints on how they invest. So that gets back to looking at something that's more customized, less cookie cutter, something that's appropriate for them that will fit their needs. Yeah. So what kind of, if somebody's listening today and they're thinking about having a meeting with you, what kind of information should a prospective client be prepared to provide in that in that first meeting or initial meetings? Sure. So initially, what I try to do is set up a call, Zoom meeting, get to know them, get to kind of know what their experiences are at a high level. And then for someone that, as an example, is looking to save for college and may not be 30 or 40 years away from retirement, I probably don't need their pension information or in (laughs) in a lot of cases, even their social security information. It really is specific for their their circumstances. So typically what I do after the first initial call or Zoom meeting, I will do a follow-up asking for specific information based upon what they're looking to try to do or where they fit. You know, if they're looking to coming up to retirement, that's where I would want to get all their information, their uh, social security information, pension, look at their employee benefits. I think that's one of the areas that's often lost. You know, want to look at the employee benefits to see if there's ways to save there, make sure that they're getting the most savings out of plans, especially if you have a husband and wife. A lot of times, uh, if you can coordinate benefits, you can save a fair amount. That savings can typically go to pay down debt or go to uh, extra you know, retirement savings or college planning. Uh, but what I will do is put together a email that will say, you know, the next meeting, I would like to have these documents. Typically, I like to have them beforehand so I can review them. But once we have that meeting and the, and the individual and fa- or family comes in, yeah. I will look at all the documents, walk them through it. So I say a lot of times with investment accounts, retirement accounts, a lot of times people collect these almost like antiques, you know, or a hobby because they move from different jobs, move from different, uh, you know, locations geographically, and they just have them and they accumulate them over time. You know, so what we really want to do is take a financial inventory to look and see what the pieces that you have and maybe where there's gaps. And you know, we want to mm-hmm. identify the gaps. We want to look and see, say, you know, this is really at, at, at the meeting say, you know, here are some initial observations. 
taking everything back, you know, for a third meeting, really getting into the uh, trenches, if you will, and really getting a better idea and, and, and laying out a plan moving forward to see if it really makes sense from a relationship standpoint to work together, as well as to provide value, just giving them feedback with where they stand with a lot of different pieces of, of parts of their life. Thanks so much for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. We hope you're enjoying it so far. If you have any questions or would like to talk more about this topic, you can find us at www.balancewealthpartners.com and through all our social media platforms that are listed in the show notes. Yeah, you know, it's funny. I, I don't think a lot of people think about this sort of thing when they're when they're looking at stuff that that they don't realize. Hey, that's right. I did work at a. I did work at this job, and I was there for five or six years. And I worked at that job, and I left after seven, and I'm at my job now. And they and I don't think a lot of people realize they're leaving all of these pieces not behind because mm-hmm. those pieces are going to follow them. They're tied. They're tied to them. But I don't think they give much thought to either being able to consolidate them or what they can do with them, as a matter of fact. No, that, and one of the areas that I see even with beneficiaries and, and when you have a blending of families, whether it's marriage, you know, divorce, as, as life progresses, you know, you want to make sure that you know who the beneficiaries are on those accounts. In addition, you always want to take a step back and look at everything in detail. And at least, as I mentioned, at least annually to make sure everything is tracking the way it is, especially Mm -hmm. if there's a life change. If you start with a new employer, you may have had your spouse's health benefits. Well, the new employer Mm -hmm. may have a better, better health plan. And so it's important to coordinate those. And it's just not the first time you start work there. It's really looking at them on an ongoing basis to see if there's savings or if you can cover you know, various gaps that you may have, whether it's in disability or if it's life insurance or just looking at dental vision and just things that you would normally take for granted, the savings on a monthly basis can add up annually. They really can. How do you deal with clients who come in? Who, let's say it's a couple. One half of that couple is, is very risk tolerant. Mm-hmm. The other half of that couple is like, I'm kind of risk adverse. I, you know, I just, it, which is a candidly a dynamic that uh, somebody that you might know talking to you faces. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how do you, how do you work with people who are, who, who, with couples who have different kinds of risk tolerance and risk aversion? I'm curious about that. And, and I think that that gets into us another point is that it's important to have both if it's a couple it's important to have both of them involved at least initially yeah. so that everyone is on the same page and you know sometimes it's hard to get two people in the room given family given work and, and what i've done in a lot of cases i can always just meet with one of the spouses and have the other on a zoom yeah. when we're sitting there talking through everything or a call uh, but that allows us to kind of all be on the same page. Typically, what I will do is send a risk questionnaire to both and mm-hmm. get an idea for both of what their risks are and really have a conversation about it and typically come up with a blended strategy that they can look at and say, well, you know, kind of putting together both their risk factors in, in it. In terms of just setting expectations, that's got to be the the most difficult part of of what you do. And I don't know if it's setting expectations or diminishing expectations or but how do you do how do you cope with that aspect of the job? 
I, I think one of the things is just to really define what the expectations are for the client uh, and what their past experiences are with other advisors. By doing that, you can kind of gauge some, some people say, I don't want to even look at it. I just want to look at it every, say, six months or a year. Other people are more involved where they say, you know, I may need to look at it once a month. It's really not getting an idea for what their expectations are, because if neither, if, if I don't know what their expectation is and they're not sure what I'm doing, it probably isn't going to create a good result. <laughs> and it even gets back to you know, how do we communicate? Would you rather have right. texting? Would you rather have emails? Would you rather do it traditionally over the phone, Zoom, whether it's in person? It seems, you know, these days there's a lot of different ways to meet and have conversations. What you want to do is have it so everyone's comfortable with it and it's convenient. You find a lot of your clients have um, bare understanding of markets and what they do or, or, you know, I mean, how do you walk people through, especially I'm not thinking so much about retiring people near retirement. I'm thinking about people who are just starting out people who, you know, have got like five years under their belt and, and they feel like well, I need to sit down and get a handle on our finances now. Yeah. You know, do you, do you think they have a fair understanding of how their markets work and, 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 you know, that stuff is not a guarantee. Yeah. And I think, you know, that's one of the, I think the challenge, not a challenge, but it's one of the changes really with the business that I am in. It's yeah. a, it's more, it used to be just investments. You know, I have ABC stock or ABC fund, you know, this, this is great. This is what you should do. Now it's more, you know, where are you at in life? What are you trying to do? Really getting an idea for where their circumstances are. And really at the end of the day, the investments, they don't come last but they're not the most important piece of everything. The biggest piece is to kind of get an idea of putting all the, you know, all the puzzle together, the life puzzle. And mm -hmm. if you can do that, it, you know, the it's more of a conversation about after you lay everything out, what fits to make things work, you know, for that specific person. And I think everyone can kind of understand these days with the news reports whether it's financial news or just news in general, most of it is sensationalized and a lot of it's dramatized to make people really on edge and nervous. And it's really unfortunate. And, you know, it's really, it does it, does it, it's just really unfortunate because I think a lot of people get what we would say shy or afraid to really do anything and they just freeze up and they just keep the money in cash or they just don't even look at it. And really, you know, if your time horizon when you're going to need the money is 30 or 40 years away, you should definitely be taking on risks because you know, we use the example, you know, if you put money into a telephone, which we, we don't even do anymore, you know, a quarter, it used yeah. to be a penny, used to be a nickel, used to be all the way to the quarter and so on. You know, you have to have that growth that comes from stocks and investments to keep up with inflation over 30 or 40 years of growth potentially. It's an understatement saying that news headlines are alarming. That's, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. an understatement. Let me throw another big word out on the table here, though, fiduciary. Uh, I don't think a lot of people have a good understanding of exactly what that is. So tell us, what does it mean that you're a fiduciary? It, it means that I always take your, your best interest and in what your goals are, needs. I'm always going to put you first, uh, no matter what. It doesn't, there's no conflicts that will create a situation where I'm going to suggest something that's not in your best interest, not just in the best interest, but that is specifically for you. And I'm acting on your behalf. Right. 
No, in other words, you're not you're not trying to advise me on products that you make a big gain off of. You're trying to inv- advise your clients on products you think fits their goals and and what they want to do. Exactly, and and I always try to lay things out and, and put on the least pressure possible. Mm. Typically, it's like anything else, whether you're buying a car investment, anything like that. The more pressure someone puts in, it really makes a, a you know makes you want it. It should really make you take a step back. Yeah, and really say, well, why are they being? You know, why is there so much pressure? And you know that's one thing that I've tried to make sure that people understand over the years. I'm going to try to help you along the journey, and I'm not going to try to push you in something and then just kind of kind of leave and say you know and, and not not be there for you in the long run. So, sort of to summarize that part, you if you if a client only wants to meet with you once a year, fine. But if they mm-hmm. want to meet with you once a month. That's okay with you, right? It, it, yeah, and a lot of it, a lot of it comes down to complexity and comfort. And I'll say, in a lot of cases, it's really a matter of just getting comfortable with the relationship. And I will say, just because we may only talk every six months or every quarter, it doesn't mean that I'm not going to call you if something happens. You know, if if something happens where there's something that really is critical in the stock market, bond market, or if you have an investment where it needs attention, I'm going to call you in between just doing the normal uh, reviews and and quarterly reviews. Very good. So if anybody is listening to this and think they might want to have a conversation with you, how do clients reach out to you? What's the best way? It's, It's really based upon what is com- they're comfortable with, kind of like I mentioned before. They can email me, call me, text me. Uh, my cell phone is on my uh, my website. I try to be readily available. I think that's one of the real benefits and what I've tried to uh, really employ over the years. Uh, whereas, you know, if you call, life is driven by 1-800 numbers these days yeah. and chatbots. <laughs> and so I think one of the things that I've always tried to do to kind of separate myself is be a resource and be available. You know, I may be in a meeting, but after I get out of the meeting, I'm going to call you back. And so that I think a lot of times, if you have an issue where something comes up in your client and you get something you don't understand, and it's invariably late Friday afternoon, you know, I'll give you a call back because I don't want you to sit around and worry about it. Fair enough. Very good. Very good. So look in the show notes for those of you who are listening. Uh, if you're looking at the podcast, there's a, a directly how to get a hold of, of Jeff. Uh, as we bring this one to a close, let's tease out what we're going to learn in the next episode. What's on the table for us next time? Sure. So we're going to start talking about, and you really have to build a base, financial literacy. And to do that, we're going to set the stage. And really to set the stage, what we're going to do is look at just some of the basic building blocks to build your house financially. And we're going to just initially talk through some things. And really the objective here is is at a high level to kind of give you a general understanding of how we're going to pursue through the podcast with various topics. And what I want to try to do is make it where it's relatively easy to understand. At the same time, you can take away two or three points that you can use in your daily life. Good. Excellent. Well, we look forward to that next episode and all of the episodes to come after that. Thank you, Jeff. Appreciate visiting with you this time. Thank you very much. Thanks, Bill. Hope you have a great day. Thank you. You have a great day. And listeners, thank you for your time. We appreciate you creating this community of of listeners for this podcast. If you're not a subscriber already, this is a very easy thing to do. Just hit the subscribe button. 
When you do that, you will automatically be notified that there's a new episode. You won't have to wonder about, gee, where did I hear Jeff or how often does he come out with these things? You'll be notified automatically. On behalf of Jeff Panic, I'm Bill Tucker, urging you to run out and live your best life today. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Between Life and Money, Finding Balance. Visit our website at balancewealthpartners.com. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Content here is for illustrative purposes and general information only. It is not legal, tax, or individualized financial advice, nor is it a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold any specific security or engage in any specific trading strategy. Results will vary. Past performance is no indication of future results or success. Market conditions change continuously. This commentary reflects the personal opinions, viewpoints, and analyses of Jeffrey Panic. It does not necessarily represent those of RFG advisory, private client services, their clients, or their employees. This commentary should not be regarded as a description of advisory services provided by RFG Advisory or performance returns of any client. The views reflected in the commentary are subject to change at any time without notice. Securities offered by registered representatives of private client services, member FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered by investment advisory representatives of RFG Advisory, a registered investment advisor, private client services, Balance Wealth Partners, and RFG Advisory are unaffiliated entities. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where RFG Advisory and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. No advisory services may be rendered by RFG Advisory unless a client agreement is in place.